The Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Hello, and welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. My name is Deborah Fitzgerald, editor of the Peninsula Pulse. And today I have in the Bailey's Harbor studio, Jewel Peterson Aradnik. Welcome, Jewel. Thank you for having me today. Jewel is the co-owner with her husband, Bob, of Raleigh's Bay Resort. On September 5th, the day after Labor Day weekend, when mm-hmm. everybody was returning, there was a fire at the resort. The fire destroyed a very good portion of the resort that had been there since Jewel's parents had purchased it in 1970. It was a five-alarm fire in terms of a Door County fire. We were in our Bailey's Harbor office, and because we're on Highway 57, we often hear the sirens going by for various medical conditions and accidents and responses, but they just kept coming that morning. So I was able to go up there and gain access to the site. And I I have to say, I've not seen something like that since I've been covering spot news events, which is what we call those. Chris Hecht, who is the fire chief of the Sister Bay Liberty Grove Fire Department, said it was the biggest fire that his crews have ever had to fight. So, Jewel, you were there Mm -hmm. on that day. So can you walk us through Mm. what happened? So it was September 5th, 2023, a day we'll never forget. It was just a little afternoon, and I was just coming out of my office, and the housekeeping manager, Heather, said, you know, there's some curly black stuff coming out of the fireplace grate. What's that all about? And I looked at that, I don't know. And then I turned around, and I saw the black smoke coming up the stairwell from what we know as the game room. It's the basement. So the first thing I did is I pulled the fire alarm so that the building was good and noisy, and I ran outside and called 911. At that point in time, I could hardly speak in full sentences. I was Hmm. just panicked. And so we pulled every fire extinguisher that we could find (laughs) and tried what we could. Of course, the, the fire department was on their way as quick as they could, and they were there amazing. Second to none, I'm telling you. I never saw anything like it in my life. Hmm. And so they were there quite quickly, but at that point, there was a lot of damage already. It was below the bakery area in that little sitting room in that corner of the basement. And it pretty much came up through the floor. And of course, that section, which was built in 1979, was from the old beams that was from the barn. Mm. Beautiful and very flammable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that went up quite quickly. The section that was pretty much destroyed was the, the section built in 1979. We came in 1970, but that lodge was built in 79. And that was the same year that we took down the barn mm. and built that beautiful lobby with the beams and all that, which of course didn't meet fire code anymore when we put on the addition in 1993. And I can explain a little bit about that. So the fire pretty much took over the building. The, the winds were blowing towards the water, yes. which actually I think helped to kind of save the back of the building, even though it's down and it was destructed, it yeah. was, you know, JF came and punched it all down so that it wouldn't burn. Right. We had to kind of somehow stop the fire. And they took down the walkway between the restaurant section and the lodge 
where we have the three stories, they took that down almost right away too to minimize the smoke damage in that area. Right. So for listeners, if you can imagine three pieces basically, Mm -hmm. and it was the middle one that she's talking about that Mm -hmm. they pretty much flattened in order to be able to get that out. And I remember when I arrived on the scene, if I'm looking at the resort with my back to Raleigh's Bay, Mm -hmm. then the one on the right is where flames were coming out the windows. Mm -hmm. So that wasn't entirely devastated, but I mean, it wasn't in the best of condition like the one on the left Mm -hmm. that pretty much survived most of the damage that was done. So the building was built in three sections, 79, which is the section that is completely gone. And then in 1984. And that was Grandma's Swedish Bakery, which is is your mom's recipes. Mm -hmm. And that was also the lodge. So Mm -hmm. was that the the 65,000 square foot lodge? Part of that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that was built in 79. In 1984, we put on two additions. One was offices towards the back, and then also the section that's still kind of standing but looks rough. That Mm. needs to come down eventually. So that was built in 1984. And then in 1993, we wanted to add on an addition, which was the restaurant, the conference center. Um, At that time, it was a gift shop, but now it is the pub, and then 36 rooms. Now, because that original building was no longer code, we had to put in a double firewall in order to add this addition. So it's really like two separate structures, mm-hmm. you know, the original lodge, and then this section that was built in 1993. So it was a double firewall. Chris Heck talked a lot about that. Yeah. About if it were not for that wall. The whole thing would have been gone. Then the whole thing would have been gone. Yeah. And there was some delay at the end of the bakery area. If you've been in Grandma's Bakery, of there course. was, of course we have. <laughs> um, who if hasn't you had have a not, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there was a gate there that dropped down. It was part of the firewall, and it would drop at a certain temperature. There was a lead seal there that at the certain temperature that would just drop. And so that was, we could pull it down manually just, you know, if we wanted to keep the heat separated or whatever. But that dropped it down. And at that time, some of the fire, because that was right below where the fire started, had already gone up that wide staircase by the elevator. So that there was already some some disruption there. But at the top of the steps, those doors were closed. In fact, we had a gallery up there and those paintings were saved. I can't wow. believe it. I know. Okay. I mean, there's smoke damage and they're, you know, they can have a sticker on that says, I survived the fire around yeah. today, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so that pretty much saved that area. Um, there's, you know, there's damage there and there's, you know, it needs a good scrub. Some of the windows are broken because they had to get the smoke going out. The water was going out the windows on the conference room upstairs. I'm what is going on? Why are they doing that? Don't they spray it at the fire? (laughs) But what they were doing is they were causing a suction to pull that smoke out. Mm. So I was seeing black water spraying out of the, but it was because it was capturing the smoke and pulling it out that window. Interesting. I never heard of anything like that before. You learn a lot about firefighting techniques when something that that really worked, you know, because that area was, was very smoky. I mean, it was bad. I remember the day was quite hot Mm -hmm. and it was very windy Mm -hmm. and the smoke down there was pretty hazardous in my opinion. I did Mm -hmm. not bring a mask or anything. So standing there was, it was pretty smoky. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, of course it was a massive fire. Now, we didn't know at the beginning what had caused the fire, but mm-hmm. you've since learned what yes. that was, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was this baseboard heater that had malfunctioned. They just don't do that, but in this case, it did. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they dug it up the day after, they found out that there was two places on that baseboard heater that had arced. They could tell by the color of the metals what had the temperatures been. at. So they could really see. The investigation was very clear. 
and then there was couches in that area. So, of course, you know, mm-hmm. had fuel. And it was a sitting room, kind of a TV room for kids or families, whatever. But that's where it started. Right. And in the basement, I mean, it's not the place where anybody is probably at that time of the day. Not at all. I mean, it was noon. People are gone for the day. They were out kayaking or whatever they're going to do. Yeah. And so we, we saw the, the fire coming out of these basement windows. And we pulled every fire extinguisher we could find in the place mm-hmm. and, you know, try to extinguish it ourselves. Of course, at that point, we had already t- called the fire department. So we were just waiting at that point. Mm-hmm. And the fire departments responded from every single fire department in Door County, as mm-hmm. well as Brown County and some in Kiwani County. So they were fighting this fire from the moment they arrived on scene until eight and nine o'clock at night. It was it was down by then. They gained control of it after a couple of hours, mm-hmm. but they did need to stay there to continue to fight it mm-hmm. and make sure that it was all out. For listeners who don't know about Riley's Bay Resort, it is a very iconic spot in Dora County. It is on Riley's Bay. The Bay is right there. Mm -hmm. It is at the end of County Road ZZ, Mm -hmm. so you pretty much dead end into this beautiful wilderness kind of resort. Mm -hmm. There's kayaking and all kinds of amenities. There is a campground that your parents had created when they first built the resort. You don't Mm -hmm. own that. Your family doesn't own that now, but Wagon Trail Campground is right there. So it really is this beautiful, idyllic, Dora County spot. It's so interesting to me that this happened the day after Labor Day weekend mm-hmm. because you have 85 units in that hotel. Well, 70 in the main lodge. Okay. And then we have, we have the five cottages and then the employee units brings us all sort of into that 85 units. But yeah, 70 units in the main lodge. Right. So a day earlier or two days oh, earlier, uh, how many people were in there when the fire broke out. How many guests did you still have? Well, we had three guests that had stayed over from Labor Day weekend. Just three. In the lodge. We had one yeah. cottage. Mm-hmm. So it was four. But I mean, in the building, three guests that had stayed, they were gone for the day. They were going to stay that night, but they were gone for the day because it was noon. Mm-hmm. You know, there was like 1215, I think is when I called 911. Mm-hmm. So, you know, nobody was in the building. All the employees that were working were actually at work. So mm-hmm. we could get evacuation so quickly. I don't know one day of the whole season that I only had three people in the hotel. Interesting. I mean, that was just a miracle. I mean, that was just God's protection on us. That was just, oh, I can't even imagine one day earlier or one day later. In fact, there was a bus on the way that was going to be checking in that day. And I called and I said, gee, I can't welcome you. My building's on fire. Oh, my gosh. And this is just hours, two hours before she would have arrived. Wow. With a full bus. And I had another full bus coming the next day. Interesting. And then I had sold out on the weekend for two groups. I mean, we had several groups that still were you know, on their way to us within days. If this had happened two days later in the middle of the night, I would have had full house mm. and people standing in the parking lot shivering. I just shudder at the thought what it could have been. Right. So the, the least timing, number of people that you've had in that resort probably all season. All season. It was just God's protection, and I can't even imagine that he wasn't working that out so that we could keep everyone protected. And even for me to live with it, if somebody had been hurt in that fire or killed, I don't think I would have slept the rest of my life. And even, you know, the ambulances were there during the fire, and no firefighters were hurt. Mm-hmm. I mean, just, they were, they were there, they were ready. But, because they were standing on top of the structure doing what they, you know, what they do. Yes, right, <laughs> right. So, 
it was just a miracle. It was a miracle from God that we didn't have any any injuries, no deaths. We lost belongings. We had eight employees that lived in the lodge. They lost everything, and that's where that fund was set up. I don't have anything to do with that that was set up separately for me, of yeah, course. Yeah, Jewel is talking about a GoFundMe page mm-hmm. that was set up for those employees so that right. they could recover some of buy some of the things that they had they had lost. And even the guests, two of the guests, I was able to get into their rooms later that day with the firefighters to get their medications. One guest did lose their belongings, and I was really sorry about that. It was really tragic. But you know, all in all, as hard as that was, that was a miracle too. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So yeah, it was any any other day of the year would have been much, much worse. Much, much worse. The fire happens. I think you and I spoke probably the day of the fire mm-hmm. or maybe even the next morning. Yeah. And immediately you were thinking, we're going to rebuild. Right. We're going to beat mm-hmm. this. It's not going to defeat us. We're going to rebuild. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to that time. Right. So the fire happens and all I can imagine is we need to repair. We need to rebuild. We need to get this back. You just immediately, it's kind of a rebound of there's no other way. This is what we must do. And I was in that place for about two weeks in my head. And I could tell there was some tugging going on, going, wait, wait a minute. You have some choices here now. At that point in time, within two weeks, we had all of the deposits returned to our guests, which is a huge thing for me. I mean, sure, we had a separate account that we never touched because it was not used yet. This is not money that we can spend. We learned this during COVID, especially mm. <laughs> because we had to do the same thing. And so all the deposits were back, all my group deposits were back, all their prepayments for their whole stay, Mm. that was returned. So we didn't have the situation where when you sell a resort, let's say, and you've got all these advanced deposits and reservations into the future, you know, all that, are these people going to want to still come? It wasn't a thing because Mm. all of that was already returned. Mm -hmm. So that was a thing. The insurance, which we found out we were able to pay the bank loan, which, of course, I just bought out my business partner a few years earlier. So, of course, you know, I owed more money to the bank because of that. And so, you know, there was enough insurance money to pay off the bank loans, which there was two of them, actually. That was a miracle Mm -hmm. that we had enough insurance to do that with some to spare, which is nice. So just the idea that we really could make some decisions. And my husband's going to be 70. I'm turning 62. You know, women don't usually tell you that kind of stuff, but I'm no, just going to tell don't. you that. <laughs> I wear it with I a badge. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't look it, of course. Yeah, of course you don't. <laughs> I'm shocked by that, oh, actually. Oh, well, thank you. But we realized, you know, we've been through building projects before. We know what that is. We've gone through it several times over the years, 53 years that we had been there, that I had been there growing up. So God just really crunched my heart and said, listen to me. I had a terrible weekend. I cried through the whole weekend. I called my brothers and sisters and I said, I don't know what to do. I feel responsible. I feel like I need to bring it back. They said, Jewel, think. You have choices. It's okay. This is your opportunity to decide. So we did. And it was heart-wrenching, gut-wrenching, all that because this is all I've ever known. I mean, I love the hospitality business. I'm not afraid to admit it. I just love it. Mm. I, I love welcoming people. I love meeting new friends every day. I love reaching out to them and saying, how can we make your family reunion or your motor coach tour or your, you know, your conference or whatever you're doing, your fundraiser. The MS Challenge Walk was one that was on their way to us in another week or so after that. And they had to scramble to get that 
to happen. Which they did. Which they, they were did. able to oh do. Oh my gosh, I just can't believe it. You have how many siblings? I'm number 11 of 12. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure I was planned. <laughs> No, you were not. 11 yeah. of 12? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Wow. So it was a big family. I'll and, say. Um, and, you know, actually, my parents had lost two children the year before or so before I was born. And I would say to Dad, oh, Dad, you couldn't possibly have planned me. And he says, oh, because I was born exactly a year later. He Aww. says, oh, I think we planned you most of all. Oh. They just always made us feel special, even though it was such a big family. And there was just a lot of us. And, you know, the upbringing of the first ones was different than the last ones. You sure. You from big families. But we learned a lot from each other. A lot of the fun things that we did in our family was very task-orientated. We didn't play games and puzzles. We worked in the kitchen with Mom, but she'd give us a hunk of dough, and we'd play with it, and we learned how to do all the things that she taught us. Hmm. So she would give us dough, and here, I'm going to watch you do this. You know, I'm going to show you, I'm going to, you know, watch you, and then I'm going to let you do it after that. Mm. So she had her kind of her training process, which she used over the years with all of our staff, too. How old were you when you first moved with your family, when your parents first purchased the resort? We came in 1970, and I was eight years old. My okay. younger sister, Colleen, she was five. And so we were just these little girls that got to grow up. All of a sudden, we were on the water, and we'd go down to the beach and play in that muddy clay stuff. And, you know, we just had such a great time. It seems like an idyllic childhood spot, and especially if you have, were all of your siblings with you at that time, or had some? No, half of them were grown, Okay, you know, and, and a lot of them had come home to try it for a while. A lot of them were in the different, like, medical field or something that just wasn't related to hospitality at all. And some came home and tried it for a while, but they decided maybe it's more important to stay married. Okay. <laughs> I mean, if you want to if you want to do hospitality, it's something you have to be in together. And if it's not something that you feel like your family can do, you just really shouldn't do it. You mm. know, are you the only one of your twelve siblings? Mm -hmm. Yeah, some had been there for quite some years. You know, so they a lot of them had been there, and you know, their life changes or kids or marriages or whatever things have changed. And so, my husband and I did it for all those years together. He retired a few years ago, but him and I worked together for thirty years. You said that. You had left when you were 18 years old. Mm -hmm. So it's not something that you probably anticipated that you would spend your life doing no, at that time. No. When I left at 18, I married Bob. And we lived in Green Bay because that's where he's from. And I said, Mom, I'll come home to visit, but I'm not coming home to stay. Hmm. And then a few years later, we were expecting our firstborn. And I said to my husband, how do you feel about going to Door County to raise our kids? And he really felt that the doors were closing for him there. And we started rattling doorknobs and said, hey, maybe this is where we should be. And so we moved to Door County. Hmm. And a month before our firstborn <laughs> arrived. <laughs> so. And so we have four children okay. and 15 grandchildren and a lot to be thankful for. And do any of them still live in Door County, your children? Yes. Okay. Um, yes, our son, Kyle, works with us. He runs a maintenance. And so he's he's learned a lot about the building. He is his father's son. He knows how to fix a lot of stuff. So it's been really great to have him involved with the business. Our other kids are interested but not involved. Mm. You know, we have we have a daughter in North Carolina, a daughter in Green Bay, another daughter in Nina. So, I mean, they're, they're, they love the resort and everything about it, but not prepared to take it over. Okay. Now, I know that there are generational businesses up here now mm -hmm. in the hospitality industry. Mm -hmm. 
where the next generation has the responsibility of carrying on that legacy mm-hmm. for the family. And even out of 12 children, there was only one of you. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty fortunate for your parents, Leonard and Alice. Mm-hmm. That was their name. Mm-hmm. And so you have actually, you've been in the hospitality business all but 10 years of your life. Yeah, right. Yeah, I was eight. And so you, growing up there, Mm -hmm. what was it like to grow up at a resort at the end of a county road in Door County? So we would make new friends every summer, and I feel like I still kind of do that. We would, you know, the the guests that would come to stay with us, and also the employees, because we were a seasonal business, so we we would have people that would return to us. But a lot of people were new every year. I mean, so we would make new friends and maybe not ever see them again. So we kind of got used to this transient friendships sort of thing because that's how a lot of it is. But it was a great experience for us. We learned a lot about welcoming people and making them feel at home. You know, a lot of our guests just became friends and they would come back. And when people make memories on vacation... I think a lot of it is, you know, when they're in their busy life back in the city, yeah, they're maybe having dinner together and things like that somewhat. But when you're on vacation, you're not at work. So you really spend 100% of your time together. So you build so many memories there. Mm. And we would see so many multiple generation groups, and then they would bring their kids back. And this whole, you know, it wasn't just any particular one group. It was really not a demographic so much as a psychographic. You know, this Mm. is what this type of people like to do. And you grow up in the outdoors. You want your kids like that. And then their kids, you know, so that whole learning to appreciate what we had there. You know, when we first came there in 1970, the resort was called Rowley's Bay Resort. And almost immediately, we changed the name to Wagon Trail. Which is kind of a funny story. It is a funny story. You want to hear it? Yes. Yeah. So we were sitting at breakfast table, and mom and dad were sitting there talking about, you know, what should we name this resort? Because Raleigh's Bay Resort had not done well. It had been there 22 years. Hmm. Nobody had succeeded. It had turned over every few years. It just never really took off. Interesting. Yeah. So we thought, okay, well... So on our on our table was a jar of off-brand peanut butter called Wagon Trail. <laughs> and Dad had this epiphany. He says, I know, I know, let's call it Wagon Trail. <laughs> so we were a Wagon Trail resort for 40 years, from yep. 1970 pretty much until 2010. And people still call it that. So people still call yes, it Wagon they do. Trail. Yeah. Right. But, you know, Wagon Trail kind of sounds like a dude ranch. It doesn't really explain what we are, waterfront resorts. So we went through a rebranding process in 2010. And during that process, we had some really excellent professional help during that time. Susie Watson and Henry Godbout helped us through that process of discovering what we really are and who we are and what that should be. We decided we are a vintage resort because we are. And so even the font that they chose for the Raleigh's Bay Resort logo, which they didn't show me until they had it completely finished. And they were just so wise about how they, because I was very stuck on wagon trail. I'm not changing the name. Dad named it. <laughs> and, uh, but we went back to our history. And I think embracing that and going back to that time when it was old fashioned kind of place. Mm. And what we discovered during that process, and you did make some improvements then as well, that if people's expectation of what you are meets what you say you are, instead of trying to be fancy, we weren't fancy. We were homey and comfortable. So that really helped us to target the guests that wants to be there. Mm-hmm. 
And so that that was a really amazing process for me to go through was the rebranding and going back to the original name, which is Raleigh's Bay Resort, which has helped us kind of poke fun at Peter Raleigh because he was a curmudgeon that was there between 1840 and 42. And so we used him at our fishbowl storyteller. So we had this reenactment. So we really kind of had fun with history before us because up till then, we were only thinking about the, the years that we had been there. But that helped us to learn a little bit more about the older history of that property. The Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Medical Center. Are you looking for a job with excellent benefits, culture, and potential for advancement through tuition reimbursement programs? Door County Medical Center is hiring. For more than 75 years, Door County Medical Center has been the leader in health and wellness for Door and Kewanee counties. Their integrated medical center provides a wide range of specialties, including primary care, behavioral health, general surgery, the Women and Children's Center, the Door Orthopedic Center, the Door County Cancer Center, and more. To join the team, Apply today at dcmedical.org slash careers. It's interesting how you've evolved mm-hmm. through the years, mm-hmm. even though you had been a part of it for so long. It's almost like you never allowed, you never allowed anything to go stale. Mm-hmm. You just mm-hmm. kept reinventing and changing with times. Mm-hmm. I imagine that you've seen a lot of change mm-hmm. in Dura County being in the hospitality industry for as long as you have been. Can you talk a little bit about that, about how times have changed in terms of maybe your visitorship or in the number of people that you see or anything mm-hmm. that comes to mind? Well, you know, years ago, we used to be a year-round resort, and we were open year-round. So oh, we, when was that? Oh, in the 80s, 90s, in that oh, era. Oh, okay. Um, and That's right, because I remember in the 90s coming up in, mm-hmm. in the winter. Mm-hmm. That's right. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. Hmm. And so we had to, you know, winter was a rough time for us because we didn't really have enough revenues to be open full time, but we just decided this is what we're going to do. So at some point we needed to say, hey, we're going to go seasonal. Mm. We can survive better this way. Mm -hmm. And so that was that was a big change for us because we're not in the villages, you know, in the towns where you get more of that traffic to stay open. Sure. You're you're a destination. Yeah. We're kind of off the beaten path. A little bit of an island. Yes. Out there at Raleigh's Bay. We're not Sister Bay. We're not Ellison Bay. An island on a peninsula. Uh, yeah, an island on a peninsula. <laughs> yeah. right. Which makes it even more challenging. Yeah. When did you When did you go to Only Seasonal? I'm not sure exactly. It was probably around 2005, six. I'm guessing okay. around, okay. around in there. But it was a good decision. You know, mm-hmm. it, was, it was a difficult one, but it made sense. Mm-hmm. But then we still made adjustments. I mean, we still had rooms available. We had the fireplace going. We did close a pool, restaurant, bakery, pub. But we still had, you know, frozen bakery available and, you know, it was just a different experience. And of course, the rate was a lot less because it's off season. So it gave us a chance to get a little bit of a break, too. We started going, you know, south for a couple months here and there. And that was a nice break for us as we're Mm. getting closer to retirement and now retired. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of (laughs) until we figure all things out. But it was a good decision. And so how have things changed? Over the years? Well, one of the things that we noted in our business was you have to have revenues. You know, it's a business. Yeah, you want to be creating a amazing experience for your guests, of course. But, you know, you've got to think about what are your revenues and what's where's, mm-hmm. where's the cash coming in, you know. So we've discovered that because of our size, we were able to welcome groups. And we did a really good job of that. We had sometimes almost up to 50 bus tours a year that ah. would come and stay with us because, you know, we had enough rooms for that. And they were the standard rooms. It wasn't a condo. It was a two queens, you know, standard hotel room, yeah. which seems to work out better for that type of group. 
so that was a that was really an important part of our business. We welcomed a lot of family reunions, and then we would welcome weddings. We were not doing on-site weddings so much anymore as we were offering room blocks for wedding guests that were at a wedding barn or some kind of close-by location that didn't offer lodging. So that was another thing we did. So that was a big part of what I did personally is I, is I worked with the groups and besides managing the resort. So it was, a, it, was a, it was a big job what I did, but it was a lot of fun because I you know enjoyed that part of it. And I would always hop on the bus and welcome them and be there during their stay. And then at their departure, I would you know hop on and say goodbye and say, does anybody have a souvenir that looks a little bit like a room key? You know, just going to say, because we had regular <laughs> guest keys. <laughs> so it's so. almost functioned like a conference center. Oh, yeah. In a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we've done a lot of conferences. We, we welcomed the Road Scholars, which was, they would come like 12 weeks per year. That was originally called Elder Hostel, but they did a play on words, Road Scholar, as spelled as Scholar, not, well, not, R-O-A-D. Not the Road not Scholar. Not the Road Scholar. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but it was kind of a play on words. We would welcome them. So, you know, a lot of these places, a lot of these conferences and meetings and bus tours had to find new locations, even this fall. Oh, I'm so grateful for... DDC and Door County, how they helped us to accommodate Destination Destination Door County County Mm -hmm. was amazing. They just pretty much put up a hotline and said, call us, we'll get you, you know, with our regular guests and our group guests. Because a group guest, if they need 30 rooms for three nights, boy, that's a kind of a lot. And (laughs) these were your bookings that you had for the fall? I still had, yeah. Okay. So very few canceled. Mm. They were able to find accommodations. So thank you to Destination Door County and to our community colleagues who helped us, you know, with the other lodging facilities that helped us through that. Now you are out there, as you said, at kind of an island Mm -hmm. on a peninsula, Mm -hmm. feeling a little bit isolated probably at times. Mm -hmm. What did the fire teach you about community? Oh my gosh, Deb. I had no idea how many people loved on us because they came and they came. The first responders, the firefighters, and then after the fire, all the people that would bring us food and accommodate my employees that night, they didn't have anywhere to sleep. Mm. The hotels and the personal homes that helped us through that, there was a schedule set up to bring us, because we still had staff around to help us kind of finish up what we're doing. They brought lunch every day for a couple of weeks. I mean, just those things meant so much to us. So that was huge. Just the community that came around us. And I couldn't even keep up with my messages on Facebook. And I, I would read them. I read everything, but I couldn't respond to everything. It was, mm-hmm. I did to some, but how our community just really came around us. Unbelievable response. I always liken it to our community kind of like the body, that you don't really know that your cells are functioning the way that they're functioning, but they're keeping your body healthy. And then when you become injured... Mm-hmm. The cells come rushing in to fix whatever has been broken. Mm-hmm. And you suddenly are more aware of this amazing organism that is called your body. Mm-hmm. But I always think of Door County in that way. It's almost like you know that they're there. Mm-hmm. We're a small community. Mm-hmm. Even though it might not seem that way at the height of the tourist season, there's this undergirding of people who are always here and we know who they are. Mm-hmm. And even among our small communities, each one has a very small population. Mm-hmm. It's not like any of them are very large. So I'm not surprised to hear that you learned exactly how many people are ready to help when it's needed. Mm-hmm. And it's also just 
really cool to see. Yeah. Well, and it helps me to think about, you know, how can I help others too when this happens? I mean, this is, you know, there's, there's things happening around us all the time. You know, how can we reach out? How can we help each other? How can we not be in competition, but in, in support of each other, Mm -hmm. you know, because I, there's years I thought, are we competing? No, we have something different. We have, you know, so I've never felt that way about Door County, that we were competing against each other as businesses. I always felt like it was really, these are my colleagues. These are the people that are doing some of the same things we are doing. They're going to have a different customer, all those things. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's never been about competing. It's always been about working together. So you're entering a new chapter of mm-hmm. your life and mm-hmm. one that does not include hospitality. You are selling the resort. Yes. And that has gone on the market, mm-hmm. I think, for $2.15 million, mm-hmm. I want to mm-hmm. say. Yes. And so you'll be leaving the hospitality industry. Mm-hmm. And that is something, you had said something to me, which I found to be very interesting. But you said it was almost like your ministry. Mm-hmm. And I can tell just by sitting here with you, I could hear it on the phone, but mm-hmm. meeting you in person and sitting here with you, you truly are genuinely into the hospitality industry and being around people. It seems like that's your thing. So how do you go from decades of that to just, I don't know, what are you going to do? Just walk away from it. What happens? I'm not really sure. And there's so many things that are happening and developing behind the scenes that, you know, who knows? I just might pop up somewhere. You just never know. Okay. So and I've maybe, already thought about how can I volunteer? How can I, where do I want to be involved? Or how can I still use my skills to benefit this community? Sure. Because um, you haven't been able to do that probably, at no, least not in season. No. In fact, I have not been a member of any of these organizations. I'm just too busy. Mm-hmm. But I know there's so many great things out there. And that's kind of exciting for me because now that's an opportunity for me to be involved with some of those things. I have to be careful because, you know, my husband says I want to travel now. So Mm. just so you know, don't don't be making, don't be filling your calendar yet. Right. So I'll find something. I'm going to have to reinvent, reinvent myself a little bit, Mm -hmm. but I'm not disappearing. We want to be part of this community. We love Door County. We just really want to be here. We have a home. It's about a mile from the resort. Okay. So you're not right on the resort. There's not. Okay. So you have a little bit of separation and Mm -hmm. distance. So you won't be looking at it all the time, wondering What's happening with whatever might happen. Mm -hmm. And it's always possible that depending on what the new owner would do, would they like some help to get some of these things going again? So there's always that possibility. We don't know who who the buyer's going to be, but boy, boy, we've had a flood of interest. Have you already? (laughs) Okay. Yes, we've had several showings. Oh my goodness. And it just went on the market. Last yeah. week, yes. Okay. We actually had showings before we were on the market. Oh, so we, okay. um, So we've had some really good interest, and we're very excited about that. I think it will give us the opportunity to kind of choose our buyer because, you know, we've been good stewards all these years, but what I really want to see is a continuation of good stewardship there. Mm. And we know that there's always a place for different types of things. We know there's a really good place for condos in our community, but I really feel like this property belongs to the visitors and that we should be able to welcome visitors at Raleigh's Bay. So you're hoping that I'm it hoping remains in the hospitality business. How much acreage is there? The lines are a little fuzzy right now because we're having that resurveyed. It'll sell in, in two pieces. Got it. So it mm-hmm. might. So it'll be changing. Mm-hmm. You're not quite certain at this point. Is there anything else that you wanted to say, Jewel, about this whole 
process. This has happened pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. The fire was on September 5th. It's not even two months. It's not even two months. And your entire life is changing. Mm-hmm. Completely flipped my life upside down. Unbelievable. It was a crazy sensation. And it was really, I mean, for, for two weeks, I just walked around shaking. You know, it was just, it was just too much for me to take in. And, you know, I feel a responsibility to us, but to our community and to, I think that's why I was so desperate to make it back. You know, I want, I want it back the way it was. And even if we did decide to keep it and build it back, it'll never be the same. Mm. It can't be the same because we could never, the building codes and everything else, we could never make it a cookie cutter what it was before. But if somebody else brings it back, people will expect it to be different. Mm. So that's kind of my comfort in that. It's going to be different. But it's kind of exciting and something new. And I think people will be watching to see what's going to happen next. Change is just one of those things that's inevitable. There's just nothing we can do about life changing. We're getting older, for one thing. That's not changing. Yeah. (laughs) Right? You always think it's going to when you're younger. Yeah, right. And, you know, the business that I was in, I would have done it probably another 10 years because I loved it so much. But, you know, this just gives me a chance now to say, okay, we've been good stewards. We've really done all we could to make this a great experience here for guests and visitors and community. Let's help somebody else do that by passing the baton. And uh, that's why I'm excited because we've had so much interest that hopefully we can kind of handpick the one that's going to be the right one for Rowley's Bay. I feel like I owe that to Door County and to the ones we love, you know, so... We're really hoping that that's what it'll be, is remain in the hospitality business and bring some new, exciting life back to Raleigh's Bay. Somebody with new money and, you know, do something exciting and new there. Hmm. Jewel peterson Radnick, I appreciate you coming in to talk about this. Thank you, Deb. I'm sure it has not been an easy time for you, but it seems to me that you have a lot of conviction about the future mm-hmm. and what's going to happen. And so we will be watching what happens there and what unfolds. And for any board who needs a board member. (laughs) She's volunteering me. How do you like that? Right, right. There is a new person, Jewel Peterson Aradnik, who is probably available. But again, thank you so much for stopping by, Jewel, and talking with us. And thank you out there for everybody who listens to the Dora County Pulse podcast. My name is Deborah Fitzgerald, and I'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. This podcast is produced by Miles Danhausen Jr. and edited by Rachel Lucas. If you want to help us continue to create more great episodes just like this one, visit our website at doorcountypulse.com.